What is up, Buff Nation? Welcome into the DMVR Buffs podcast. We are presented by Illegal Pete's. Check out any of their 10 Colorado locations for happy hour, 3 to 6 p.m. every single day. Jake Schwan, it's Will Darkey joining me here. Will, it's been a pretty eventful week since the last time we recorded a basketball pod. Yeah, it really has. Um, not the not the best outcomes that you wanted to see for the Buffs, but still still a good fight in the UCLA game and then some some other news off the court as well with some some future prospects. Hell yeah. Uh let's get into it all then. We'll start very briefly with the USC game. Um I mean it wasn't really close ever. The Buffs held an early lead in the first half and then kind of lost it for the rest of the game. Ended up losing by 19 points. No one really showed up but KJ. It was tough without Ruffin, um without Gabadon. Of course Hadley's been hurt for about a month. Uh, we got some Quincy Allen time in that one, but man, it was night and day compared to the UCLA game. Yeah, that one, that was a tough watch. It it felt like they were hanging in there for maybe the first 10 minutes of the first, and then at some point USC went on a little run, and it was it was game over from that point. USC, credit to them, they were making a lot of shots, but Tad brought it up in the postgame that it wasn't, it wasn't the t- like they weren't making the toughest shots. It was just the lack of effort by the overall team last night. He didn't call out a specific person. He just said that nobody really wanted it in the USC game, and it it very clearly showed because yeah, USC ran away with that one, and they frankly they embarrassed the Buffs on their home court. Yeah, no doubt. Um, let's get into the UCLA game then. I mean, Ted said it after the game yesterday. Um, he felt like apologizing to the fans after the performance against USC but he was really proud about how the guys battled and fought against the top or the fourth ranked team in the country in the Bruins. I mean, the buffs again, they had it in their hands just like they did the first time when they played UCLA. It seemed like free throws were the death of them in this one last night though. What stood out to you the most though? Yeah. Um, I really like one of the the opening statement that Tad said, I, I talk about it in my takeaways article. It'll be up soon too, but um just to paraphrase, he basically was like, I could sense how frustrated the players were after this loss, and that's a good thing because we didn't see that after the USC game. The They came out of that game more just like regretful that they didn't try as hard, whereas with this UCLA game, yeah, not the outcome you wanted, and it sucks to be that close against the number four team and just not be able to pull it out, but there is somewhat of a moral victory to like just how much this team fought, especially losing Tristan to Silva down the yeah. stretch and of the second half and for them to still fight and just play a competitive 40 minutes with the number four team in the country. It impressed me personally. And so I don't know. I, I walk away from that game excited for what the future holds with this team, not only in like the PAC 12 tournament with that, that shows me again that this team can still compete and crazier things have happened in the pactual tournament, but it also makes me excited for next season. For sure. Um, I mean, the buffs were just so close. They held, they played super well defensively. They held the Bruins to only 40% from the field, held them to one of 14 from behind the arc, man. Uh, the Bruins were even only shooting 68% from the, uh, from the free throw line. The buffs out, re- out rebounded the Bruins too. I mean, it seemed like everything was there. The buffs just really couldn't make their shots on the free throw line. They struggled shooting the ball uh, from the field. Also, we got Quincy Allen time though. What did you see from him 
in the last week? And are you hopeful that he can kind of grow into himself as we kind of come down into the home stretch in the next year? Um, yeah, I, especially with the Tristan De Silva injury, if Tad didn't really know much about it. Like initially after the game, he just said that it's an ankle injury, not a foot injury, which is, a, it is good news, but with an ankle injury, you still just think sprained ankle, probably at least a week, couple weeks. So it'll at least sideline him. My guess, maybe he is good for the Utah game, but I'm already kind of like planning on Tristan being out for the Utah game. He looked like he was in some pain. And then if Jalen Gabinon doesn't come back, if Ruffin's not back, you've already lost. Have, it looks like Quincy Allen's just going to need to step up into a bigger role. And I think it'll only do him better. The You can tell he he's got a shoot first mentality, which I feel like not a lot of guys on this team have. And it's kind of refreshing. Yeah. He in the USC game, I think he went two of seven. So he didn't, he didn't knock down all his shots, but if he sees some more legitimate minutes in these next games, both Utah and the Pactual tournament, and let's say he catches fire, I think the fan base will quickly start to fall in love with this guy because I don't know. You can tell he's got a good shot, and when it's falling, it's it, he's gonna he's gonna become dangerous, and so that's part of what makes me excited for the future. Is um, just little things like that, like seeing these young guys like Quincy get get a chance to step up into a bigger role. And I was impressed with what I saw. Also, not even shooting wise, but he also finished with a season high for the entire team uh, blocks against USC. He had four blocks in that game, which. It just goes to show the athlete he is. For sure. Uh, only five minutes in that UCLA game. KJ had a nice game, but then Luke O'Brien, first career double-double. It seems like he's really coming into his own as a rebounder. Um, the shot is still kind of hit or miss, but when he's able to sink at least uh, close to 50% of his shots, I mean, a double-double seems like it's almost too easy for him at times, especially with how he's rebounding now. Yeah, Luke's really impressed me this year. He's really refined his game this season. Um, it just felt like years past, it, it was, the game was a little too quick for him. He would have spurts of greatness here and there, but this season he's really put together like whole performances that have really impressed me. And I think UCLA was probably his most impressive, in my opinion. The 10 rebounds was just, yeah. it, it felt like, 20 rebounds to me I just it felt like he was everywhere he was he was so aggressive he there was this fight in him that like they didn't have in the USC game he came out he he took whatever coach said personally for after the USC game and he came out and he fought and I don't know I I've just been so impressed with Luke and he seems like he's 105 percent effort every time he's out there so nothing nothing but respect for Luke and his first career double double for sure. Uh, Nick Clifford also threw in nine rebounds. Tristan had nine of his own. I mean, the ability and the way that those guys were kind of crashing the gl the glass on Sunday, it felt like it was going to be enough to make a difference to maybe pull up this big upset win. Um, they just kind of fall in the final minutes. UCLA goes on a little mini run um, and the game just ends up out of reach. You went to practice on Saturday, though. This is before the UCLA game, but you talked to a couple of players. You talked to Tad. What did you learn when you were at practice? Yeah, well, also just one last little thing. When sure. I, looking back um, with the USC game, I think, let me pull it up. I had it and then I lost it. 
Um, in the USC game, the Buffs shot 36 from the field, 21 from three, and 73% from the line. So 36, 21, 73. Then in the UCLA game, they shot 33, 31, 56. Very similar numbers. You're kind of hovering around the 30s. Like you're not having good shooting nights both nights, but God, were the outcomes vastly different. Like that's what it honestly, looking back at the number, I'm I'm just impressed with the fact that the Buffs only lost by four to yeah. UCLA when they shot 33, 31, and 56 from the field. And that just that just goes to show what what this team does when they are fully putting like everyone is fully trying and there's like a hundred percent effort in these games. So that's just mm-hmm. the last thing I wanted to say. But yeah, at practice, um I talked with Tad and kind of just wanted him to reiterate like what what inconsistencies does he see in these teams? Because you've just heard this word tossed around basically all season now. He said in the post game of the USC game that there's if there's one thing you can say about this team after 29 games, they're inconsistent. And so I was like, can you just break down what is this inconsistency? And he brought up the effort. He said that the toughness just is, it seems like it's optional some nights. And that's exactly what you saw this week. You saw a team that just didn't really want to try. The effort really wasn't there in the USC, USC game and they got blown out. But then you see them, again, have a pretty bad shooting night, but because of the effort, because of the rebounding and the defensive pressure that they put on the Bruins, they were able to hang in, hang in this game and only let it slip away in the final minute. And so that's the big thing was he just, he pins the inconsistency as a lack of effort, kind of a lack of leadership and somebody just getting this team to get going on maybe these off nights. Um. We also talked about Quincy a bit and just why it maybe took him a little longer to maybe find some time in the rotation. And Tad or yeah, Tad just kind of brought it, boiled it back down to practice and just the overall effort. And he Quincy's just a young guy and he he felt like he wasn't seeing enough in practice, enough of a polished product to be able to like fit him into the rotation. But now with the injuries, um, there's not too much of a choice. So he's just going to, he's going to have to kind of learn on the fly, but so far from what I've seen, he he looks young, um, but I, I've been impressed with the early minutes so far. For sure. He definitely wows you at times, but it's still, you can tell it's just not all quite there yet. Um, you also spoke to Tristan, right? Yeah. I talked to Tristan on a more um, just general sense. Uh, I, don't want to spoil it too much. I'll have a feature coming out in the mm-hmm. next week, but kind of just talk to Tristan about his overall just development this season and how he's kind of the next hidden gem forward that seems to be coming out of Colorado. Uh, just to name a few, like you've had Jabari Walker, who he, I think he was a three star, but yeah, like Jabari Walker, Tyler Bay, Andre Roberson, Spencer Dinwiddie, like these guys that weren't five stars. They weren't, they weren't like McDonald's all Americans, but they came to see you Tad developed them. And now all of those guys are playing in the NBA or have played in the NBA. And it sort of looks like Tristan's on a similar trajectory. And so I just, I just kind of wanted to like pick his brain and uh, just ask him like, what, what development have, like what are the developments that he's made this season? What has he seen 
and like the most growth for him and just how has Tad and his coaching staff at CU helped him get to this level that we see him playing at now? For sure. Um, some good teases there. You got a lot of content, written content coming out on the dmvr.com. Make sure you guys check that out and keep an eye on dmvr underscore buffs on Twitter. You'll know exactly when all that stuff starts to come out. You said Tristan and all those guys weren't five stars, but let's talk about a five star, Will, because we had some news come out uh, early last week. I can't remember exactly when, but Jonathan, how do you spell his last name? Do you know Givoni? That's what I would, that'd be my best guess. I actually don't know either. <laughs> okay. Well, he's ESPN's draft, uh, NBA draft expert. He put out his first version of the 2024 mock draft. And at number two overall, CU Buffs commit Cody Williams. The Buffs are getting a lottery type player, potentially a top overall player in the 24 draft coming into Boulder next season. What was your reaction when you saw this news come out? It was shocking to me. Um, I, you, cause we knew coming in that he'd been like kind of hovering around like the tens and twenties um, on some of these consensus rankings, like on three and 24 seven. But I, I was very shocked to see him get as much recognition as the two spot. And yeah, it, it is still early and there's going to be a lot of things that change. And none of these guys have even touched the, um, college court or G league court, but I to already get the recognition of being the number two guy. I think it, it only, it can only make you excited for like the floor of this guy. Like Cody Williams is going to come in and I just personally like recency bias. I think of Jabari Walker. I feel like he's going to be like Jabari Walker on steroids, just this versatile three stretch four that he can just, he's just a freak athlete and he, I think he's going to come in and make an immediate impact and just, I don't know. I think the way he plays too, I think he'll kind of gel into this Tad Boyle offense perfectly. And it it just makes me so excited. And to see him already getting top three recognition is it's, it's honestly insane. So. Yeah. I mean, we've talked quite a bit about him when we talk CU hoops, um, but it just seems like, to your point, he just fits in so well with what Tad's going to try and do and what he has done at Colorado. I mean, he's super versatile. As you mentioned, he's got the length. He can shoot. He can drive. He can kind of do it all. Um, if you, When you look at this team with Cody Williams going into next year, how much better do you think they can be given Cody Williams coming in, how young he's going to be? I mean, I don't know if it's fair to assume that he's going to be able to lead this team like a Jabari Walker was able to a few years ago. Uh, what do you see or what are your expectations, I guess, for Cody Williams and, you know, Tristan and all these guys when they're all putting it together on the court next season? Yeah, I, I do agree with the point that he's a freshman. So you you shouldn't expect him to come in, just become the new leader um, from just initial things I've seen, like little interviews and this and that. He also seems like a pretty humble, maybe kind of quiet or soft spoken yeah. leader type of guy, which is totally cool. But what I'm expecting, I guess, is Tristan and KJ step up into just, they've already stepped up this year, but they just continue to step up and grow into these bigger leaders for this team as they grow older. And then Cody Williams can kind of just come in, not under the radar because he is already getting top two nods, but he can just kind of come in, not have to take on this leadership role and just get to play and develop into this star that, 
could dominate the Pac-12, but I I think he'll fit in perfectly fine because he he's not just from what I've seen, he's not like an egotistical like the team's got to be centered around me and I I need to be the center of attention. He seems like just a a kind like just tell me where to go and I I just want to help this team succeed. And that's what you heard from him like choosing Colorado mm-hmm. over other schools and so that's why I just think that that's what's going to make him fit in even better at CU is he just I think he's going to be like the best type of team player role player and just gel perfectly with the guys. Son Diop coming in, Courtney Anderson coming in too. Um, I can't be the only one kind of feeling the hype for the 23-24 buffs. Um, it did feel like, you know, as we're t- towards the end of this season now, doesn't it just kind of feel like a growing year though? Like a year used to help try and get guys like Tristan, KJ, Luke, uh, Quincy even, um, just get some more experience under their belt and kind of hope that it all rounds into form with this next season coming up. Um, do you have anything else on Cody Williams? Do you want to get into bracketology? No, yeah, I guess I just kind of to close up that point you just made. Yeah, it just I think I came into the season just with some some bias thinking, no, I, I watched these guys play last year. Like they can still compete. And I think I got a little too ahead of myself, but um just to see some of the the steps that some of these young guys have taken, um, it it just makes me so excited for next season. And I just I also really hope like we still got maybe a month or so until this even happens, but the transfer portal, I I'm excited to see what, what could happen in the transfer portal. um, Because that is a new, very active thing. Like you see it in college football. It has completely revolutionized the, the buffs football team. And it's another way to just really bolster your team in the off season. So I'm excited to see if anything comes of that too. And, but this team, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to get my hopes up too much, but next season should be different compared to this year. I think so too. Um, the biggest, I think, bracketology storyline coming out of the weekend was on Saturday, I believe. Uh, ASU with the huge, massive—I mean, three quarters court shot from Cambridge to beat Arizona. What was your reaction when that went down? How bad does this hurt Arizona's resume, and how much does this help ASU's resume? I I don't think it hurts Arizona's resume too much. Obviously, it hurts. Like if I couldn't imagine being at the CU Event Center and Colorado State hits that type of shot at the I I'd be livid. So like it, it hurts the heart for Arizona fans, but they don't have to fret too much. They should still be right around like the two or three seed. It might drop them one line, but they're still hovering around the top, and they'll they should have like a pretty manageable first round matchup. But for Arizona State, it is it is astronomical. Like that win could not have come at a better time for them. They are hovering right on the bubble. I've seen some bracketologists have them on the outside looking in. Some have them being like last four in. They're right on the fence. And so to have a win like that so close to when the bracket's being made is huge because I know that they look at all games and wins that happen throughout the season, but I can guarantee you every guy that is making that bracket in a couple weeks will remember the Desmond Cambridge half court buzzer beater from a couple weekends ago, much more than a good win that happened in November. So I think, I think that it's, it's a huge outcome for Arizona state and it might just help the PAC 12 become a four bid league. Cause right now it, it's also looking like USC USC is 
starting to solidify themselves on the right side of the bubble, but that this could help the Pac-12 become a four-bid league right now. We'll see how it all unfolds. Of course, we have the game against Utah this weekend, and then we're on to tournament play. Let's start at the top of the top 25. I mean, Alabama's been in the news a lot. Um, it seems like Miller's still playing for them, and I don't think that's going to change considering what the coach has been saying, what the school has been saying. Are you worried about them kind of going into the tournament, just even the SEC tournament with all this hanging over their head? I I think I would have been had it not on the day that all the news broke, or maybe it was the next day he'd gone yeah. out and dropped 41 <laughs> points, set a career high for him. Um, And I just, I don't know. I... I think I had my worries before, and then that game happened. I'm like, okay, now Brandon Miller's still Brandon Miller. This team still has star power like everywhere, and so I, I'm not too concerned. Um, and in the couple losses that they've had in like the past month or two, they've then come out the next game and absolutely destroyed their opponent. And so I don't know. I Alabama, I do feel very confidently about. I think you were a big fan of, uh, oh man, who am I looking for? Creighton, that's who it was. And then Marquette had the big win last weekend. Where are you at with Marquette? Are you feeling that they can make some noise as we get into March here? Yeah, Creighton had a little bit of a rough week. They lost two games. Um, but one of the games that they lost was to Villanova, who's another dark horse. The Big East will be a fun tournament to watch because Villanova, a team that everybody knows and everybody knows that name, but they've had a, they've had a pretty down year since it's, Jay Wright's first season not coaching them in so long. But they, uh, they're they kind of starting to storm back now, and I think they'll make it interesting in the, the Big East. But for Marquette, man, they – I think they're my surprise team of the year. Like, I think they were picked to finish ninth in the Big East preseason poll, and they – they've blown that out of the water. They they've gone from ninth in the big East to sixth in the country. They, their offense is clicking on all gears. Uh, Shaka smart. He, he just knows what he's doing. He gets fired from Texas goes and takes over the Marquette job. And he's, I don't know. He's established them as a seasonal threat in the big East, but they've got, um, now I'm forgetting his name. Tyler Kolick, I believe is his name. And he's this guard that's kind of emerged out of nowhere. And he's averaging like seven assists per game and is becoming a lot of people's front runner or dark horse to win the big East player of the year. So he's a guy to look out for with Marquette and could be the guy that helps lead them on a deep tourney run. Let's go to the Big 12. Kansas has been rolling lately. Um, I know you've been kind of getting more hyped a little bit about TCU. I know Baylor had a big win too over Texas. Where are you standing after Kansas in terms of favorites to come out of the Big 12 and potentially win that tourney? Yeah, the the Big 12 is just up at the top. It's so congested, but I think the one thing you can take is Kansas is the most consistent of all of them. Any of the teams at the top, Baylor, Texas, Kansas State TCU they can beat Kansas but like on any day of the week but Kansas more often than not will come out on top and they just it's it's Bill Self it's Jalen Wilson who was on the national championship team last year it's Dewan Harris who was on the national championship team last year they've got veteran leadership a veteran coach and 
they're just they're the most trustworthy to me and so it's tough to right now it's tough to put any big 12 team above them but the four big 12 teams i named are talented enough to take them down at any time it's just a matter of kansas being the more consistent team and not knowing what you're going to get as much from texas kansas state baylor and tcu oh and another thing with another thing with um baylor is they're they're kind of like a hot surging team right now but one thing to monitor is their star freshman keontae george uh also hurt his ankle similar to Tristan De Silva, and so it's kind of up in the air right now about what his ankle injury is going to be. So that'll be something to watch on. If Baylor doesn't have Keontae George, they're not they're not the number seven team in the country. Baylor, so that's just another thing to monitor. And don't put all your eggs in one basket with Baylor right now until you know the Keontae George injury. There you go. Uh, take your advice from our college hoops expert, Mr. Will Darkey. Will, let's finish up with the ACC here. What the hell do we make of this conference, man? I know North Carolina and Duke have kind of had a down year. The top of the ACC just seems like a clusterfuck at this point, though. Where are you going? Um, the one before this weekend, the one team that I was very confident in was Miami, and then Miami blew a twenty-five point lead on their own court to nine and twenty Florida State, and lost on a buzzer beater as well. And so that that was the one team that I was just building confidence in in the ACC and I still have confidence in them. I they just I watched that game and that was not the Miami team that I've seen this season, but the one thing I like about Miami is they've got veteran guard experience. They got one of the top transfers from last offseason, Nigel Pack. He can just shoot the lights out of the gym. And they've got Isaiah Wong who I believe is a projected first rounder. I'd have to check that, but they've got a great one-two punch at their guards, and they've also got some good coaching experience in Jim Laranega, who led them to the Sweet 16 or Elite Eight. I think it was Elite Eight last season. So they've they've been there, and I I'm the most confident in them. That loss this past weekend hurts, but it's it's one I think anomaly, and I'm gonna I'm gonna keep riding Miami. The rest of the conference, though, I can't make much of it. Virginia. They're a good defensive team, but wow, can they – If like watching Buffs basketball, it's like, wow, this team can't make a shot. If you want to watch a team just go completely inept on offense, Virginia <laughs> can do that to you. They – oh, my gosh. they Their defense, like I said, beautiful, but they, they play at such a slow pace, and if shots aren't falling, it's kind of a disaster. And that's why you saw them a couple years back. They, ha- they lost that 16-1 game because that's mm-hmm. just the style of offense that – Tony Bennett likes to play and when the shots aren't falling it's going to become so tough for them to come back so I'm starting to lose a lot of faith in Virginia Duke they're a young squad they they're kind of impressing me as of late but it's just I it's tough to like get too confident in not only a bunch of freshmen but also John Chire and his rookie year coaching um and then I don't know Pitt they're having a great year not too confident in them yet wasn't expecting the year that they're having so they're good year but i need to see more of them in the acc tournament clemson i think they're fraudulent and nc state also dynamic guard play they've got Traquavian smith who's going to be a first rounder probably even a lottery pick they could make a deep run in the acc tourney and i think they could be a fun fun team in march madness depending on where they fall but that's that's oh and north carolina obviously i talk about north carolina Probably yeah. going to be the biggest 
number one blunder maybe in college basketball history. No, I don't think any AP one number one preseason team has ever missed the tournament. And right now, North Carolina is they're flirting with it. They did beat Virginia this past weekend, which was a big win for the resume. I think it was their first quad one win. They were 0-9. But yeah, they, they're flirting with danger right now because they could be the first preseason number one to not make the tournament ever. It's been a, a wild year of college basketball, man. Uh, it feels like the the variance is just all over the place. Anyone can beat anyone or lose to anyone at home or just on any given night. Um, I lied. I guess we'll get out on this. It looks like the buffs are kind of penciled into like number nine or number 10 when it comes to Pac-12 seeding. Looks like it. I think you said it past few weeks, like Washington or Washington State is going to be that first round matchup. Are you still feeling confident going into that potentially? Washington, it's looking more and more likely that it's going to be the 9-8 us versus Washington. And it makes me a little nervous just based on the fact that they swept us this season. But the main thing is just, can you shut down Keon Brooks? Because if you can, then that team becomes a lot more beatable. So I think that's it'll probably be a big defensive assignment. I'd maybe say Luke O'Brien. And if... If they can just if they can kind of suffocate Keon Brooks, then I think that becomes a much more beatable opponent. But they make it makes me a little nervous just that they they haven't beat him yet this season. But if you beat Washington, then UCLA just locked up the number one seed, and that that's who you'd play in the, the second round. So big opponent, but I mean the Buffs they they've played eighty minutes with UCLA this year, and they've looked really good in seventy of the eighty minutes. So yeah, <laughs> I let I let's just not count them out yet. For sure. It's going to be very exciting. Uh, We're going to be covering a bunch of stuff related to the Pac-12 tourney. Uh, We'll get into the women's team, too. They've been absolutely crushing it of late, uh, nearly pulling off a massive upset over Stanford at home. We'll let the people know where they can find you and follow you and um, just plug your stuff again that you got coming out here soon. Yeah, so I my Twitter is just at Will Darkey, D-A-R-K-E-Y. I... I mean, I'll have some articles out on the DMVR site. And then I just a subtle side plug. It's not DMVR related. It's just no, a, side ho- it. it's a side hobby that I like to do, but I, I run a college basketball page on the side. And so that's at CBB Uncharted. And I'm really ramping up content over there to breaking down like all the high major tournaments, mid-major tournaments, player rankings, and just really getting down to the nitty gritty of uh, the big dances. We've only got a couple weeks left, but yeah. Yeah, we got to get you plugging that Instagram page for sure more as we move into tournament play. Um, I really enjoy your stuff on there, Will. You've been killing it um, on Instagram at CBB Uncharted, bro. It's been a great follow, and uh, we'll get a bunch of this Buff Nation followers over there too. We'll be in touch, Will. It's been uh, it's been a wild season, man. I don't think it's gonna get it's gonna slow down. We're gonna get into some even more exciting games, upsets, buzzer beaters. It's the 27th of February, man. March is right around the corner. Uh, it's not, let's yeah, get down to it's it. not even March yet, but whoa, it's it's getting close and you can feel it in the air. But yeah, I guess I think I already said this on the last time I was on here, but if you were anticipating on having a good bracket this year, just drop all those yep. expectations. <laughs> like it, it, just embrace the chaos because it's going to happen this year and it's going to be so fun. Can't wait. We got you covered here. All things Pac-12, Tourney, and Buffs related at DMVR Buffs. Thanks again, Will. We'll uh, get you back on next week. Let's go Buffs. Let's go Buffs.